Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Follow us here and follow us there for pit sports content you will not want to miss. If you hate the rich getting richer off of breaking down decades, centuries even, of traditions and rivalries in college football and love that we get to stop talking about it the second we kick off week zero, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. I am David. I am joined by Squid and Dylan, as always. Boys, how are we doing after a very tumultuous week of realignment? I don't think you could have said it any better, David. Um, We were very desperate for the season to start, and it's safe to say we needed to start even sooner now because of all the drama, bullshit, etc. that is happening in the sport. Yeah, I thought we were past this. I thought it was time to put the brakes on for realignment talk until February. But no. They're doing doing some training camp realignment, tearing apart, as you said, decades old traditions, dismantling the poor Pac-12. And I've had enough. I've had enough of it. I want football to start immediately. Can we petition to get it moved up a week or two? You know I'd be the first signature on there. But unfortunately, that would kind of be a logistical nightmare. So for now, we're just stuck with training camp still. But at the very least, what we can do for Panther Nation is actually talk about training camp as opposed to giving our opinions on what the, you know, dissolution of the Pac-12 means for Pitt. I mean, I'm sure that I've noticed that anybody that actually talks about real alignment probably doesn't know what they're saying. What actually happens comes from those who don't say a word and they just do it. Like Oregon, Washington, unlike Florida State, who throws temper tantrums at press conferences. And you know what? They're still in the ACC. Just like we are. That that they are. That they are. Um, So before we accidentally fall ass backwards into the topic, we just stressed that we weren't going to talk about excessively. Uh, Pitt has begun spring training, spring training, fall training, training camp. They have begun training camp. It is not fall. Yes. Whatever. The football players are mashing skulls into each other again at high velocities because there is games on the horizon. And I want to talk about, you know, what we're hearing who's who's this year's preseason all-american the hypesman trophy yes indeed as we so creatively put together before we started recording um as as for those of you who follow pit football as closely as we do there every year in training camp there's a guy who Every one of the teammates, the coaches is hyping up some past winners of the Hypesman Trophy. Jalen Twyman, Kalijah Kansi, Bengali Kamara last year. And this year, we're looking to see who who will be this year's Hypesman Trophy winner. I would argue that Israel Banaconda got robbed last year. Might be a 
Larry Fitzgerald, Jason White situation. I feel like most of the time the Heisman Trophy goes to the correct person, and then eight months later we were like, yeah, the coaches weren't blowing smoke about that guy. So hopefully there's a lot of those guys this year, and it's a tough decision. But at the same time, it feels like it changes every week sometimes. Like you're gonna always going to get the overriding like – yeah, every single week we hear something new about this guy just kind of being a dog. And that happened for multiple years for Izzy. Um, and it happened for all the training camp for Bengali. But I, I think we need to acknowledge the Hypesman Trophy winner of the week. Okay. I think it should just be a poll. At the end of the season, we give it out, and hopefully we're right. So we can adjust our, our week-to-week front runner. That's fair. We can vet out a voting system at a at a later date. But as for now, uh, tell me, what, what are you guys hearing? Whose name keeps coming up? I think the top one I've heard is Zion Fowler L. I didn't know he added the hyphen L to his name until Narduzzi's press conference. I was like just Antoine like... Randall L? Yeah, it was just the uh, DiCaprio. DiCaprio? Yeah, DiCaprio meme of him sitting up, pointing at the TV at like a receiver in Pittsburgh having a dash L on the end of their last name. Um, didn't know that he had that. Uh, irregardless, Narduzzi's mentioned him twice now. He's also made reference to the fact that a freshman receiver or two will be playing and will be getting good good amount of snaps for the Panthers this year. And a few of his teammates have also said, like, that guy's kind of a freak athlete. So i um, interested to see if he's, he's the guy – uh, Lamar Seymour and Kenny Johnson, a few of the other freshman receivers who could squeak their way onto the field. But sounds like Zion Fowlerell is is an early candidate for the Hypesman Trophy. Yeah, Dylan, I got to agree. I've been hearing his name a lot. Uh, and this was after Bub Means won whatever the, the spring equivalent of the Hypesman is, which actually there's a very legitimate equivalent, and it's the most improved player award that they give out every spring uh that went to bub means and nakai johnson this past spring and it was kind of like um we all the bub means train is leaving the station and it kind of feels like whether we want to or not most pit fans are getting on board because we need to believe that he's going to be really good this year to convince ourselves that Pitt's offense is going to be really good this year um, but as we've kind of solidified that belief that, okay, Bub means he's going to be a guy this year. He is going to be a guy this year. We are then like, okay, well, who else could be a guy? So we're, we, we're looking for another receiver to hype up. And uh, apparently Zion looked good enough in uh, camp that, thus far at least, that he has begun to pick up that residual hype. Yeah, I think, well, as you mentioned, like Bob Means has kind of been the de facto. Yeah, this receiver is going to be really good this year. He's going to be the guy. I think it was Kanade Mumpfield last year. Mm-hmm. And I think just because he really didn't live up to the hype. And I don't know if there was much fault to Kanate or just the general disarray of the passing game last season. Um, I, I think people just don't want to do that same song and dance again. Kanade Mumpfield this spring or this fall. So 
I think he's a little slept on. So yeah, I think everyone's looking to Bub. He's going to be the guy. Bub's the big, strong, fast, looks the part, uh, physical freak, just has to put some things together. And then, as we mentioned, uh, Zion Fowler might just be that third guy. I, I think coming into camp, everyone kind of just assumed it was going to be Dejon Reynolds. The Florida transfer made sense. He's played some college football at this point. There's just a bunch of another, a bunch of freshmen in that room, a former cornerback and Javante Royal in that room. But Narduzzi wasn't ready to come out and say that Reynolds is the, the number three guy right now. He he mentioned Means and Mumpfield, and he said basically we're trying to figure out who who that guy number three is. I have a dark horse, somebody on the watch list, uh, Jake McConaughey, six foot five. They put out a video of him just mossing dudes. Uh, unfortunately, he was on a Phil Dracovic underthrown ball, but that's neither here or there. Uh, it was a great catch. And I think he might sneak in there as a guy that was like, well, where did he come from? He's a walk on, right? He's kind of a like odd walk. Like he, like you say, he's like six, five, but he also like won the dunk contest. The, the football team did a few years ago, uh, jumping over guys at Pitts basketball's midnight madness. So yeah, I mean, dark horse, we need a guy to step up. Maybe it's a walk on receiver. Can we talk about that video for like just one second? Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're referring to, just either one, spend more time on Twitter like a true Pitt fan, or two, go to the Pitt football account and look for it. Uh, I just want to talk to whoever thought, yeah, I'm going to post this camp video of our new quarterback that the entire season is riding on throwing an absolute duck that wobbled. God, it almost felt like it was going end over end in the air uh, for a non-scholarship player to moss a scholarship cornerback. I actually think it was a Stephon Hall scholarship safety. One of the guys fighting for starting safety. That's probably going to start even better. So yeah, I, I just ask the Pitt social media team, who I think does an unbelievable job, to, you know, consider some context before putting up, like, a cool-looking play because good for Jake. That was a great play, but I watched that video and was more worried than excited. I would certainly hope that there are better plays made than that. Better throws from Phil. At least things that will make me feel more hopeful than that, right? I hope. Come on. Come on. It's camp. Anyway, yeah. anyway, Let's anyway, excited. anyway. Jake McConaughey is going to be the number three receiver and be an absolute force this season. Yes. Anyway, um, any non receivers. Yes. Yeah. 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 Basically, any non receivers uh, for contention for this week's Hypesman Award. Yeah. Can, can Bengali win back to back? Absolutely. Yes. I think. I think he might be a little bit too obvious of a pick, so that might hurt him. You know, however, you're for the Heisman, there's a quarterback who's like the undisputed uh, best odds. It's hard to love for that hype. Everyone's dealing with the new flashy story, so that might hurt Bengali. I think Nikai Johnson is in prime position to take that if he has another week or two uh, of just dominating the D line and just solidifying his spot as like a true starter. Yeah. I mean, I would hope I would honestly it would be, make me feel really good if we had another D lineman 
be, be the winner of the Heisman Trophy because the last two uh, were both all like consensus all Americans. So yeah, if we can get yeah. another, if we yeah. get another D lineman to be the Heisman Trophy winner, I, I'll feel pretty good about their their future uh, this season. So, but do we have a front runner heading into next week? Sounds like we do. Zion Fowler L. Congratulations. You've won this week's Hypesman trophy. This completely real, tangible trophy. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with Homefield this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. I want to stress that this is not a realignment segment. However, the idea for this segment was born out of uh, a very frustrated conversation about realignment. So, obviously all the things that happened with the Pac-12 happened, um, but more more local to us, closer to home, uh, Florida State has been bitching up a storm about having to continue to honor the contract that they signed uh, to stay with the ACC. And uh, Florida State's really pissing us off, right, boys? I'm sufficiently pissed off. Yeah, I fired off a handful of tweets. Just with any Florida State person. I don't know who they are. They were just getting fired off left and right. Yeah, and that's how we handle our emotions is is through tweets. But I, I think another healthy way um, to start dealing with our growing list of enemies is by creating an actual list of our enemies. I think it'd be a good therapeutic exercise for us to maintain a big board, so to speak, much like Mel Kuyper might have, but the opposite, um, where instead of like the best future professional athletes, it is um, everyone that is dead to us, uh, everyone that we hate, everything that bothers us. Precisely. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so hoopies. Put them on the list. That's easy. I think Penn State as a whole, we said hoopies specifically because it's the fans that really get under our skin with their disillusion or their delusions. But it's Penn State in general, just everything. So we're just going to throw Penn State on there as a whole. I mean, we we needed to have, and I, I feel like, you know, People, places, and things can come and go from this list, uh, you know, depending on how we're feeling in that given moment. I think that you can uh, etch 
Penn State and West Virginia into stone here. Um, they are our two least favorite things in the entire world. Um, but no, I, I completely agree. Because like I don't have any particular p- opinions on Neil Brown, um, other than I think he's incompetent. It's it's the hoopies that piss me off. Meanwhile, Penn State, I hate the fans. I hate the players. I hate Jim Franklin. Everything they stand for. I hate the central part of the state I currently live in. I hate how much they love their uniforms that are just look Stupid. like practice jerseys. I hate black shoes. Yeah. And I hate that they are so obsessed with wearing black shoes. I hate when more than three people wear white at the same time now. Okay. On, I think the only thing I don't hate is creamery ice cream because that shit does smack. So I they can't could deny it. They could potentially get their own list as as a whole. But uh, right now they are on the big board. Penn State. Yes. Yes. Okay. Like like written in blood. So I think the we we need a top five here on the big board. So I think each of us nominate someone to go on the list, and then I think. We'll have to figure out how to do this on the fly, but maybe it's a maybe it's a rotating list. Maybe some someone gets knocked off week after week. Maybe the list oh, no, just no. grows. I think you're on. Once you're on, you're on. There's no coming off unless you really, really. Can you earn your way off the list? The big board. Sorry, it's very hard. It is very, very hard. I, but I think it could be done. Like I, I don't know if we draw like a number limit, um, but at some point, like. I don't know. We we talked a little bit about what we want to put on here. Like, there's there's some names that are going to get mentioned that like I could become ambivalent about probably pretty quickly. Like, I'll get over it. Um, then they shouldn't be on the list to begin with. All right. Well, we this might is for be the getting things in. we hate the most. This isn't a we we kind of dislike you list. This is a we hate you list. Yeah, but we're very fickle. Uh, not about these things. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Let's just see how it goes. We're writing it in pen, but we do own Whiteout. But not, I don't know. Now we said Whiteout. Whiteout could go on. God. God All right, damn let's it, get Dylan. started. Let's get started. All right, I'll nominate. Want me to start? Go for it. I'm nominating the Repark. Oh, a little bit of background here for Pit fans. Yeah, and this is yeah, this is actually something within our own our own community, our own program. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, basically, Alco lost some parking spaces this year. They're building a bunch of stuff on the North Shore, uh, and the tailgating space is a little more limited. Parking spots a little more limited. So this year they did the Repark, which basically Put you into a lottery or into a draft based on your loyalty, aka how much money you've donated to the university or how long you've had season tickets. Us being uh, mid twenty year olds, uh, we're getting uh, late twenties, maybe uh, getting in that range. We haven't donated all that much money. We don't have that much surplus income to just toss to a university that I gave quite a bit of money in tuition anyway, but. Uh, and then we can't put together our 
collective years of being season ticket holders. We've only done it a few years because we've only been out of school for a few years. All that to be said, we were put on the dead bottom of the list, and now we have to scramble to find a place to tailgate. And we want to, We are going to end up in the gold lot. I want to make that very clear. I don't care what it takes, whose ass we have to kiss, what amount of money we have to come up with week in and week out to buy a parking pass. We will be in the gold lot, but I'm just saying that it is horseshit that we don't have a pass. And not only do we not have a pass, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to come off as like we deserve to be in the gold lot, but we deserve to be in a lot that's closer to Heinz Field and PNC Park. Yeah, closer I, to Heinz Field than Heinz Lofts. They gave us a parking <laughs> pass in Red Sea. I can, I'm like next to it was Red Corner. D. It was Red, Red D. D. We didn't get Red Sea. Oh, that's even further. Yeah, we're like in a what? I, what? Is, what lot is that? I don't even know what that is over there. And it's like under an overpass. I drove by the other day, and there was a homeless guy pushing a shopping cart around. It, it wasn't wasn't great real estate. I I want to stress that'd be nice on the grill though. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I, I want to stress that this isn't coming out of a place of like we the loyal son should be in gold lot. This is coming out of a place well, of like is, but keep going. Uh, if someone wants to give us gold lot passes because we're the loyal sons, we will not. So we actually encourage such behavior. Uh our email address is in our link tree. Anyway, it's more coming of a place of like why is this what we want to do? Because now here's what's going to happen in a, a time where Pitt is trying to foster a better game day experience to be more competitive in the landscape of college football, you know, packing the student section, packing Heinz field, getting people to tailgate. What's going to happen now is gold lot is going to be half empty until there's five minutes to kick off. Then all these 80 year old alumni. And I, I wish that there was like a better way that we could get older alumni a shorter walk to the stadium because i i totally want to be sensitive to that um make it more convenient for them but you're taking the primo lots and you're giving it away to people who are not going to tailgate are going to pull in five minutes before the game and walk in i mean i i think i'm just as upset as like because how many games have we been to where the gold lot is still pretty much half empty Maybe not at kickoff, but like you said, 20 minutes before the game. Yeah, it, it's a frustrating process. We understand Pitt wants to give the people that donate the most some special treatment because they give a lot of money. And that's it's good, a good business. Thing. Yeah. That doesn't mean we can't hate it. But the fact that yep. we were in it last year, the year before, and they just pulled the plug. Like, yeah, tough squash. Uh, now you're parking two miles further away than you already were. Like by yourselves, the repark is on the board mm-hmm. officially, written in pen, not stone. Pen. Only way to come off: send us some tickets or parking passes, please. I think this next one could be pretty quick. It was a hot topic back in the spring. Uh, I think Deion Sanders should be on the list. Anyone who comes at Pat Narduzzi like that list, you're hurting me. Yeah, Dion's on the big board, um, which stinks because I thought what he was doing at Jackson State was so cool. And like what he was doing for HBCUs and HBCU football was so cool. 
and then he he bailed for the Colorado job, took all of his players with him, and told a bunch of kids to their faces, like, you all suck at football, and I'm going to replace all of you, and made sure his camera crew was there for it, so he could get his sound bite. Because that's yeah, I, I was honestly... I didn't care that much. I was like, this is kind of entertaining. Dion's this is just another entertaining piece of college football for this upcoming season. But you come at Pat Narduzzi, that's an automatic, you're on the big board. All there is to it. Yeah, I mean, coming at a coach who has been more successful for than you, like, yeah, Dion's a Hall of Famer as a head coach. He hasn't even won the Celebration Bowl at Jackson State, did he? Uh He's coming at a guy who has a power five championship under his belt and saying, I I wouldn't know him if he walked into a room. That is a poor reflection on you as a guy who is in this profession. Yeah, as as a fellow power five football coach, you should know who a guy is who just won a power five football championship. But no need to go on about this. We've had our Dion rants, but he is on the board. David. Bring us home. I mean, this is the one we're all here for, right? I think so. Florida State, man. Florida State, like Deion Sanders, um, was someone who up until the year 2023, I would root for if I had no other rooting interest in their game or in their situation. I didn't dislike them as much as I disliked a lot of other ACC programs. Oddly enough, Dion is Florida State guy. Oh, yeah. I don't think they like him much either right now because he took Travis Hunter from him. Uh, but <laughs> forget that the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. Uh, Florida State pissed me off. I was, I was going to the season like ready to root for them in 11 of their 12 games because the ACC simply needs them to be good. Right. The ACC has needed them to be good for the last 10 years. In fact, it's almost like the success of the conference was predicated on them being as good as they damn well should be every single year. And that the problems facing the conference are now in no small part there because all of our helmet programs have fallen apart in the last 10 years, but now they won out because they're too good for the ACC. And they did a whole media tour this week about leaving the ACC and how they're going to do it. And if if the ACC doesn't change, they're, they're totally, if, if they don't get a disproportionate amount of revenue from the ACC, they're on their way out. But you know what they didn't do this week? Leave the ACC? Leave the ACC. Yeah, spare me. I mean, I've how many people were in our mentions telling us about how good they were in the 90s? Great. Yeah, and that's the other part of this. I didn't realize how obnoxious Florida State fans were until we started tweeting about, like, just, just a group that we have not come across at any point for some reason. Um and uh, we we got the full brunt of it um, as our as our buddy Mike McDaniel from 
Sports Illustrated, Virginia Tech writer said, I'm really glad that you guys got the full brunt of Florida State fans before the ACC falls into the ocean. My favorite quote about the whole press conference was their president saying, without increasing revenue, we will face major challenges to be able to compete in football. They've barely competed in the last like five or six years in the ACC. They have been a middle of the pack ACC team. And now they're saying without more money, they won't be able to keep up with the big boys. You haven't been doing that. What do you fix your football program? (laughs) This is a you problem. I said this in, in like 2013 and I will say it again, 10 years later, the fact that they did not build consistent success off of the back of Jameson that Jameson Jameis Winston is unconscionable. Like how did you have a team that good, that cool and that fun and then just blow it all away? Fire the coach tank, you know, the entire program and then just basically go 500 for seven years. Yeah, it's, mind-blowing how average how mediocre they've been since then and now because they're getting some preseason hype they had a decent run last season a little bounce back season for florida state they were now, fun. They, now they can puff their chest out and hold everyone's feet to the fire because we're florida state and we built this conference and this was built off of us well you know what maybe once you figure it out we have another big time program back in the conference because basically been looked at as a one team conference for about a decade now. Um, also funny. You mentioned David, we haven't come across them much. We didn't see, we didn't play them in either of the two ACC championships we've played in since we've joined the conference. In- interestingly enough, but uh, yeah, it's they're, they're they've done their job to get themselves on the big board. You are now on the list, Florida state. And they come to town this year. So we can really put our money where our mouths are. Can we, um, because Florida State has a lot of like fans that much like Notre Dame and UNC and Duke, like you can just pick up Florida State if you live in some random suburb of a major city. Have we assigned a suburb to Florida State fans yet? Like, like, all the all the UNC kids are from Cranberry. Um, Duke is Mount Lebanon. Duke is Mount Lebanon. Uh, where are people going to be trekking from to that game in October? Uh, you mean all the Florida State fans coming down oh. 376 from Monroeville? Yep. That's the one. Yep. I'm sure they'll come ready to go, born and born and raised in Monroeville, PA, but lifelong Florida State fans. But their hearts are in Tallahassee, Florida. Right. Football must be close because we got a lot of hate in our hearts right now. I'm I'm very angry at Florida State right now. I'm very angry at a lot of things right now. We've got a solid list. I so need to talk. It's a very to good start. But inevitably, more and more and more people, places, things will piss us off. 
So we'll decide how many get added each week or how often we do this, but this will continue because we will be pissed off. Well, we're just going to be sitting there like reading the morning newspaper or whatever the modern equivalent of this scrolling Twitter, scrolling Twitter with a cup of coffee and all of a sudden remember something that really pissed us off in 2015. And it's going to drive us mad until the next time we record. Yeah. Keep your head on a swivel or you might just end up on the big board. Please welcome on to the show, former pick quarterback, Bill Stahl. We've been waiting to get you on for a while now, Bill. We're glad we finally got you. Yeah, yeah, super stoked that we were finally able to, to make it happen. And uh, schedules didn't quite align, you know, in, in the last year or so. But, uh, yeah, excited to be here and, uh, you know, have, have, a, have a little fun tonight. Yeah, no better time than right before training camp. Uh, the juices are flowing already for football, so this will do the trick. Yeah, for all especially the, fans the fact out there. that I'm not in training camp right now. It's great. <laughs> oh, you don't miss it? Not training camp, no. no. During the season, it was so much more fun. But training camp, I I look back, I, I feel bad for the big guys. Those guys are it's, – it's not fun being down in the trenches and, and doing all that, but I, I'm excited for them, though. It's it's part of the process, and you know, good thing is everyone's doing it. So there's no really, you know, unfair advantage or anything like that. So training camp is always that that one time a year that quarterbacks, yeah, you know, we we throw the ball like a million times a day and run and do all that stuff. But physically, it's uh, you know, you you just you just feel bad for for your big guys, right? Because you aren't thrown into the trenches you don't have to do any of the tackling drills no there's no green light on us there, no, that, <laughs> that happens that happens the first game of the season when someone else's someone else's jersey coming at you for sure so before we get too deep into football i want to ask you how'd you hit them last week well by the time this released like two weeks ago at the golf outing how, how'd the stroke look how, how'd you guys play so um it actually kind of played to our benefit uh, of only having three guys. Uh, so we just kind of took the um, took turns who was taking the extra shot off the drive, who was taking the, you know, the, uh, the iron, the approach shot and who, you know, who was taking that extra putt here or there. And of course, you know, we did buy mulligans. So some of us took two extra shots, you know, we all played by the rules, I promise. And uh, no, we, we, we did, we did pretty good. We were, uh, Actually, about I think nine or ten under. Um, bad. I, I was told we were around the upper pack of of guys who submitted a um, hopefully non cheating scorecard, but there were there were racers on there. I saw, so I don't know. Well, you doubled us up. <laughs> no, I hey we I had a couple couple lucky ones on on the. Uh, on on the putting green and i have witnesses actually and you know how whenever you play for the viewers out there you guys play scramble you know scramble rounds and everyone's trying to find the closest ball on the green whose ball they're going to use and you pick the ball and then someone says hey i'm just hitting this you know hey it's it's good if it goes counts if, if it goes in literally i did one of those maybe like 30 feet away just one handed just all right hey pelusi it's good if it goes He's like, all right, B, yeah, and I, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden you hear dink, it hits the stick and it goes in. And the guys on the other tee were like, 
holy crap, that counts, that counts. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, it counts. Yeah, pick up your balls and go to the next tee box. Yeah. So I, I'll take that. I, I don't care about the score. I, I got my one good if it goes for, for my lifetime. I'll take it. So obviously this is a pit podcast. People come here for the pit talk. But I did want to talk a little bit about before you got the pit, Bill. Now, I actually I grew up in Brookline. I'm back in Brookline now. So I'm right by Seton LaSalle. It was right over the hill from me. So I, believe it or not, I saw you play a little bit in your high school days. Um, I remember when you guys made that state title run, you, Carmen Connolly, uh, just unbelievable team over there at Seton. Uh, obviously, in Western Pennsylvania, high school football means a ton, and maybe even more back when you were playing in high school than it does now. Obviously, a ton of great players still come out of the Whippeal, but what was it like at that time to be a big-name high school football player in Western Pennsylvania? Man, um, fun. Uh, just so much fun. Uh, you know, a one question I get a lot is, you know, out, out of all the different levels of football that you've played in different areas across the country and different leagues, you know, what, what was the most, you know, fun you had? And I don't hesitate at, at all. It's not, you know, my shot with the Chiefs or, you know, my couple times going back forth there or arena football or this or that. It it was high school football that in Western Pennsylvania, Friday night lights, literally waking up the next morning, seeing who's on those, you know, who, who had, you know, the, the best game of the week, trying to find, you know, other quarterbacks out there, trying to see what Adam DeMichael did, you know, the, the week before when I was a junior and he was a senior, you know, crushing all the records and thrown for a whole bunch of yards and all that stuff. And, you know, watching these guys and, you know, just seeing how many people actually came from the area and I'm, I'm, I almost don't want to say did it the right way, but like we, we did it the Pittsburgh type of way, you know, that gunslinger mentality ish, you know, that you're so confident people almost want to call you cocky, but it's like, I'm just that confident because my teammates are equally as confident and we show it, you know, how good we are every week, you week in and week out. And if you could do that consistently, man, it's so much fun guys. Like it was, it was the most fun that I've had in, in, in my life of playing football. And, and I mean, football, obviously without money and NIL deals now, which I had no, I even couldn't even think of things like that happening when I was playing. But anyway, I'm sure that could be another conversation. Uh, but <laughs> man, um, Friday night lights, man, Western Pennsylvania football. Uh, nothing like it. Nothing like it. So we're, we're going to skip over the implication that no one dropped a McDonald's bag full of trash off on your, uh, your front doorstep at, at the university of Pittsburgh. Uh, so you, you had a little bit of fun in high school and it kind of showed you were the first Whippy quarterback ever to throw for 3000 yards. Um, I imagine, you know, your, your record has been caught up to as the game has evolved, but I mean, it, what did that mean to you? to be the the first quarterback in one of the most storied, you know, sections of football in the country to 
hit that mark. Uh, so it it definitely didn't really sink in whenever it happened. Because um, when it actually happened, we were facing Alakupa in the Whippeal Championship game. And I, I remember hearing my name over the loudspeaker, but not in a way of like, you know, Stahl completed a pass or Stahl ran the ball or something like that. It was more of like, you know, reading a bunch of numbers and saying this or that, you know, being whatever. So, and I do remember vaguely hearing there there was an announcement, but I'm like, okay, great. We're trying to win a Whipfield championship at Heinz Field right now. Oh, yeah, I'm also at Heinz Field right now playing a football game, <laughs> and I'm 17 years old. Like, this is the coolest freaking thing in the world. But once again, we're playing Aliquippa right now in the second quarter, trying to win a Whippeal championship and have, you know, and keep an undefeated season. Um, but I, I think the meaning looking back of what it meant to me was, I guess, more so the game in which we did it, uh, which it was against Aliquippa, which that team was undefeated for the last two seasons, literally leading up to that game. To where those freaking people, which I love them, I had a lot of teammates of them. It's such a great competitive nature, uh, and I love when I'm on someone else who who played for Aliquippa. I love when I'm on their team, not facing against them. Trust me, because um, I still have pain subconsciously from that game. I'm sure, uh, but when whenever you play against Aliquippa, it's you know it's going to be a hard nosed fight because they're not going to give up. They're, they're just going to keep coming back, and one play can be the game changer. They, they, they could break a 100-yard run, you know, in, in a second. But they made shirts, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats that said 22-0, and 0, but they didn't play the 22nd game yet, and that was against us. So they made those shirts for the Whippeal Championship as if they already won and then we ended up beating them. Uh, so all that aside, uh, the meaningfulness was not just from accomplishing that, uh, but the game in which we did accomplish it was really cool. So obviously you mentioned how much it meant to play on Heinz Field. Um, and then growing up in Pittsburgh, you mentioned you know doing it the Pittsburgh way a couple of times. Now, when Pitt was recruiting you, did you know right away, like, oh, I want to go play for my hometown school? Or was there another school that could have had you? Absolutely not. I um, I actually did not even receive an offer from Walt Harris. I was, I was blessed and fortunate enough to have over 30, I don't know, maybe like low 40s uh, Division I scholarships to play quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... I kind of took it to heart that my own hometown didn't really think I was good enough for an offer and, you know, and you have a good career and, you know, you see these stats of where, you know, people want to rank you and all this and that. And you're like, wait, I'm not even, they don't even think I'm the best in my state. Like what, you know, but yet other teams do. So it it really didn't dawn on me that I was going to give Pitt a chance or that we were going to give each other a chance, really, I guess, to try, try, try to see if this was a good fit or, or whatnot. Um, I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, I live, I don't know, 10 minutes away from the complex, but 
I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, so I did actually commit to uh, uh, Kentucky. Okay. And, uh, Kentucky was my first, I got my first letter from Kentucky. I got my first offer from Kentucky and they were my first official visit. And I was just blown away. Um, Lexington boys, uh, go hang out on Lexington. So oh, we have. We we made sure to make a stop on the way to Knoxville the year that uh the first year of the Johnny Majors Classic. There you go. Oh yeah, man. Uh, it was uh an eye opening experience for an eighteen year old. <laughs> to, and, and, and I mean, I didn't even do anything bad. I mean, the standard standard stuff, you know, nothing too crazy to where I'm going to get in trouble, trouble. People would say like, if my parents found out what I did, they'd be like, all right, like, come on, be safe. That's, that's not really, you know, it's not like I'm going to get arrested for stuff I did. It wasn't anything like that. It's SEC country. What do you expect? You gotta have, oh man. I wasn't married back then. Okay. <laughs> Glad you weren't married at 18, but no, uh, every, everything you're implying about a uh, SEC country in Lexington, Kentucky, we can confirm. Um, so, so even given all of that, you get your first taste of SEC country and the Southern people will use the umbrella term. Uh, what swayed you over to Pitt? So, uh, in, in, it was honestly uh, a relationship that I built with my recruiting coordinator at Kentucky and his name is Paul Dunn and Paul Dunn was the, an offensive lineman who played at the university of Pittsburgh with Dave Wanstead. So when coach Wani took the job, he started gathering up his boys naturally, just like I would too. Get your, get your people who you can trust, the people you love, people you, you've you been in the trenches with, people know literally that you could trust with anything. And that, that's what Wani did. He went and got his boys and Paul Dunn and that ended up uh, leaving Kentucky and going to Pitt. Uh, his, his wife is from Penn Hills. His, he has family in Penn Hills, the Pittsburgh area. So like, naturally it was a no-brainer for for Paul and or Coach Dunn and, and his family. Um, so then naturally he became my recruiting coordinator for Pitt <laughs> and, uh, but we didn't have a whole lot of time to do all that wanting, dining, you know, get to know each other. And it was more like, well, I'll tell you this story. So, you know, Stansberry's not Stansberry's, um, the, uh, Dylan, you might, you might remember the, uh, the college the college uh, store that was out in Robinson that you can get any type of t-shirt for every single college. Was that a Stephen Berry's? Stephen Berry's. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Stephen Stephen Berry's. Okay. So naturally being, you know, the loving mother that, you know, I, I had. And uh, she went and got me a Kentucky, you know, faux Letterman jacket. Because at the time I was, I committed to Kentucky. I went to a couple official visits and I'm like, this, this is crazy. I just, I'm going to Kentucky. 
official visit, you know, was great, signed, done. They promised me I was going to start all this stuff. And I'm walking into a Seton LaSalle men's basketball and uh, girls basketball game against Carlington. So it was like a co-ed but varsity game. And I'm with I'm with my buddies. We're all walking into the game, and I I couldn't make this up. We're a couple steps to walk into the door, and I get a call on my cell phone. It was a four one two three four three number, and I'm like, "That's that's Mount Lebanon." And I at the time I lived in a condo right behind Minio's Pizza in Mount Lebanon, so I I knew you know obviously my um, the phone numbers in my area. And at the time I was answering every random number because it might've been a coach or, you know, whatever, because they can only call during certain hours and for a certain amount of time back then before all this free for all shit. (laughs) I mean, seriously, anyway, uh, (laughs) we're going to put a pin in that one. I get it. Oh yeah. To be continued. And, you know, I say, you know, hello, this is, this is Billy Stahl. And, I get a very, very, very Pittsburghese distinct voice on the phone saying, "Oh, uh, Billy Stahl, this is this is Dave Wanstat, you know, um, new new head football coach for Pitt." And you know, how, how committed are you to your verbal commitment to Kentucky? And I'm literally, I thought it was a prank because at this time, I'm like, I'm fully Kentucky. I'm like, guys, you see my shirt, see my sweet jacket. Like it was 20 bucks. It looks super real, right? Like that was the coolest thing in the world, you know? And I'm just like, what the heck? Someone's messing with me. And sure as shit, it was just a hundred percent coach wants that. And he was like, well, maybe you should uh, sleep on it. Think about it and come down and talk to us. And then this was about a month before signing day. So maybe January ish of 20, not 20. 2005-ish. Yeah, 2005. And I took uh, just a little drive down with uh, Coach Perry and Anthony Doria. It was who I backed up at Seton LaSalle, who is the offensive coordinator now at Duquesne University. And we all went down and had a little meeting. And, yeah, the rest was kind of kind of history after that. And I was like, you know what? Six minutes away sounds a whole heck of a lot better for me and my family than six hours, seven hours away. So, and I mean, playing football in Pittsburgh and when things are going good, there there's nothing better than Steel City football, steamrolling down the street, winning games left and right. The city is magnifying when – Heinz Field, and yes, it's always Heinz Field to me. I said it. And Pitt's winning. Like, guys, no other city can compete when Steelers are winning, Pitt's winning football-wise. Like, am I wrong? Like, oh, it's oh, yeah. the thing in the world. City's floating on air, yeah. Some of those games that you played in back in your day, that was as rocking as Heinz Field would get, like Pitt or Steelers. Dude, this game right here. I was there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Notre Dame, Pitt, they had to put, I think, seven to 10,000 extra seats in, in the open area. And that wasn't, that obviously was still open, you know. Right. Um, 
And at the time, that was the largest crowd in, in that state in Heinz Field history until I want to say like the next, I don't know if it was the AFC championship game or the yep. divisional game where it, you know, surpassed that, but it wasn't for a couple of years that that held record for a while. It was, it was that AFC championship game because then that got broken by the brawl last year. They, they pumped 70,000 yeah. people in the stadium. Yep. Yep. Was that, uh, I don't, I don't want to bring up bad memories for Steeler fans, but was that the uh, Jaguar game? No, I think that was, it was actually was the one game. where uh, Troy sealed it against the Ravens. And, uh, and we went on to the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we lost, but. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, so all good memories. Love it. So it, it appears we've, we've finally arrived at, at what we're here for, and that is, that is the, the Pitt Panther days, the, you know, the, the Bill Stahl years where you had an absolutely <laughs> loaded team around you. Uh, yeah. You had John Baldwin. You had LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Doran Dickerson, right? Yep. Dion so, Lewis. Dion Lewis. So that that 2009 year, you were all ACC first team. And it, Jesus, I'm so ACC sorry. Talk. Wow. It would have meant a whole hell of a lot more if it was AC. Yeah. AC I promise that. I disagree. I disagree. The Big East was the greatest thing in the entire world, and I'm so upset that it's oh. dead. I love your your pride and your passion, but we'll, 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 we'll agree to disagree on that because a lot of my other teammates could have, you know, benefited from having some more uh, respect as a collective. If if more people in meaningful, powerful positions in that BCS world that I used to live in uh, thought that same way, Dave, uh, we we would have been sitting pretty well. Pretty well, I promise. Because pe- people don't realize, I mean, we had like six teams that were in the top 25 at, at one point in time. And nobody nobody actually believes that until you actually show them the, the, the stats. <laughs> no, we had, we had some programs in the Big East. It's, it's a, not, to, not to fall into the whole realignment thing because it's – it's August now, so we don't have to talk about realignment. That's the rule. Um, but God, a lot of yeah. lot of our nostalgia was destroyed. Yeah. No, I, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, we as players, we strive to just win games, and we we buy into the program. And but you don't realize the meaningfulness of consistently winning. And how much that does for a program, uh, the conference itself. Uh, I mean, when Clemson wasn't even known for football, somebody still had to play those games and, you know, change that program around. And they just became consistent. And when you're consistently winning, now I don't really think people know who their point guard is, but they know who their starting quarterback is now. You know what I mean? It's 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 unfortunate things happened the way they did after I left with higher administrative people, and I do not want to get into that. 
because I will get upset and angry, and I don't want to do that. We won't do it to you tonight. Uh, Not tonight. (laughs) Uh, But that very well could have been the starting point to steamroll this freaking car uphill to change that narrative. Like, we we shouldn't have had to wait till Kenny Pickett did it for us with, you know, Kenny Pickett and, and company to do that for us. We could have done that in 2009. <laughs> you know, we, we started it. You know, our team did it. We did something that wasn't done for 20-some years. That's all good and great, but you need to do it again. And we didn't have to wait another 10 years to do it, is all I'm saying. If certain people could put their pride away, people in power who were meaningful, people who were respected and loved, a.k.a. Dave wants that. But a very similar type of coach that I've always been on record saying is a new age type of Dave wants that coach. And we have him. We have Narduzzi, you know, but to get to this point is all I'm saying. We didn't, it didn't have to be that difficult is all. That's, that's, that's the subtitle point right there. <laughs> yeah, I there were some guys, bumpy yeah, years post Wanstead that we wish we'd have to deal with. I think all Pitt fans know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we are three people here who, uh, who, who lived through those years and really agree with the sentiment. Another thing we lost in that time um, to to not let us ruin our Monday nights reminiscing about losing Dave Wonstadt here. I'm, I'm going to change pace a little bit here. But w- another thing we lost when the Big East came to an end and kind of all in that same era was playing the backyard brawl every year. Can you give us an idea of what it was like playing in a backyard brawl? both at home and down in Morgantown. I know uh, those Morgantown fans got a little crazy. We talked a little bit before we hit record about some of the things they would say to you and do to you guys down there. Yeah. So um, for people who know a little bit more than the average fan of football, you know, that training camp is purely for just working on yourself working on the person in front of that mirror, trying to get better each day, come together as a team and hopefully get better, right? Well, at Pitt, we have training camp and then we have West Virginia days, literally mixed in our training camp. That's how much it it means to us. We're literally taking time away from the pre-game, like pre-season training camp. This isn't spring ball. This isn't, you know, whatever. No, this is training camp. We're finding out who is starting on all three phases of the game. But no, this is West Virginia Day. So we're going to practice against a 3-5-3 defense. We're doing everything West Virginia. Look team, you're watching West Virginia cutups to make sure the first team and second team get the best look for the game that happens 30 some days away. You know what I mean? And during those days, every single TV in the facility played on repeat, a repeated West Virginia pit backyard brawl throughout its hundred plus years. So you have it on your mind 
And there were times where we had the West Virginia uh, theme song playing throughout the entire um, facility nonstop. And out on the field for the away games, since you mentioned what's it, what's it like being at away games, uh, you pretty much forget actually physically, like verbally talking your, your hand signals left and right. Um, I'm, you're pretty much screaming, but yet you're right next to the person. So if I was in the huddle, I'm, I have no voice at the end of the game, you know, I'm cause I'm screaming, but yet I'm right next to my teammates, just trying to make sure they hear it, hear, hear the play. And we all communicate properly and all those things. Um, but West Virginia was extremely meaningful. We took time away from training camp. Like I said, uh, we did all those little trick of the mind things to make sure we were focused. Um, but once you got down there, uh, you realize, yeah, you could simulate crowd noise. Uh, you can simulate as much things as, as you want, but there's nothing like going down to Morgantown uh, knowing you're literally going in for a fist fight. Uh, it, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, at least it never was pretty when I, when my five years at pit, whenever we played them five years, years in a row, uh, everything never went a hundred percent the right way, but that's to be expected in a fight. <laughs> they call and, it the brawl uh, for a reason. You got it. You got that right. Um, but man, uh, some of the fun, I, I look back now and say fun wasn't really so fun at the, at the time, but uh, I remember the coldest game I ever played in was my freshman year, uh, 2006, at Morgantown. And me and my other uh, quarterback, Shane Murray, uh, shout out Whipple quarterbacks, both Catholic schools, St. LaSalle, mine, Shane Murray Central. Um, we always had our you know pregame routine. We warmed up together. We did everything together. And we're doing our warm-up and – Lo and behold, gotta love the student section out there in Morgantown. Uh, hey, stall, you effing suck. And then they start going off about my mother's maiden name and this and that. And I'm like, Shane, they know my mother's maiden name. What the heck? <laughs> like, yeah, and I'm pissed you just dog cussed my mom. You have no idea who she is. But how the hell do you find out my mother's maiden name? Like, what the heck? Like, that's impressive. Like these fans freaking care. And you know, that's the type of rivalries that that make things fun. But when your head coach tells you, you're pretty much going to be in trouble if you don't keep your, your helmet on, on the sideline. um, It kind of sucks because he knows you're going to get shit thrown at you Uh, anywhere from anything. These, you know, the, the Morgantown diehard Western New fans can sneak in from batteries to um, change <laughs> to um, anything you could think of. It, it was thrown at us uh, and we were hit with something. So those, that's that stuff you got to be prepared for going to a backyard brawl down in Morgantown. Uh, I'm Hopefully we'll have a fun experience this time around coming up this year. Yeah, it's the first one in a while down on Morgantown, so I'm wondering if there's going to be a lot of like pent-up anger. Is it going to be even more explosive because it's been so long? 
I can't wait, but it'll be something. Uh, it's definitely going to be something. You got that right. <laughs> what was the weirdest thing you had thrown at you? Uh, the weirdest thing was probably I actually got scared the first couple times because uh, after the game, it kind of sounded like almost gunshots. But I mean, I, I laugh and joke now because every, everybody's fine. You know, nothing happened. But um, our buses were getting hit with like liquor bottles so hard that it literally sounded like a firecracker to where it could be, you know, mistaken as a gunshot or something. Like it was bad. But yet we were singing our freaking fight song. We were with Wanstead. I'm pretty sure he had a freaking cigar, smoking a cigar on, you know, on on the uh, bus ride back. Um, I mean, Oakland was waiting for us. Put it that way. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't care about the liquor bottles smashing on the uh, the windows of the bus. You were worried about the liquor bottles waiting for you back home. We were definitely more worried about getting the hell out of Morgantown and get our asses back to Oakland to go party at Peter's Pub and Hemingway's and somehow figure out how we could sneak down the south side to Town Tavern. (laughs) (laughs) That's the real shit we were trying to do, I promise. So those quick stops at a Morgantown bar on the way back, you don't think they'd welcome you in? I don't know. I don't know. That that police escort will probably need another police escort, I'm sure. Especially, especially at, at that backyard brawl, thirteen nine. Mm. No, 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 no. We we got the hell out of Dodge as soon as we could. I promise. Sometimes I wonder what I would do if I had a time machine. It's like uh, I could go back, meet like my my great great grandparents coming over from Italy, coming off the boat. I I could go maybe stop some terrible thing that happened, or I could go and experience 2007 backyard brawl with my own two eyes the after party of yeah, party. of of no name people that i know who are having a whole hell of a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> going up and down up and down forbes walking on cars uh, all right well not now you have to, to give us a I little never, bit see, I was I I was never like I never saw the point in ruining like property, like like I'll go throw like burning a couch as something. far as I can. <laughs> what the hell's the point? What's the point? You just gotta wait. It probably for the next smells day like throw probably away. smells like shit. It probably smells even worse now, and like now you it's not gonna burn fully to like completely ashes. Like you you're gonna have to like. You know what I mean? It's it makes no sense, but I guess there's a reason why they're in Morgantown and we're in Pittsburgh. Couldn't have said it better myself. So with this upcoming season, um, I, r- I really wanted to ask you about uh, the time you spent under the tutelage of Frank Signetti, uh, because there's some consternation among pit fans as to how successful he was last year and whether his methods could work, but you saw quite a revival uh, your senior year under him. 
Um, your your numbers went up. The offense looked totally different. We won 10 games. You are first team all Big East. Uh, so I'd really love to hear your perspective on, you know, Coach Signetti, your relationship with him, and uh, the job you think he's doing in round two at Pitt. So first off, uh, the whole reason why I even had a chance to extend my playing career uh, to that professional level of, of any type of league um, was literally because of Frank Signetti Jr. Uh, has, you know, it's no knock on coach Kavanaugh. Uh, I love him dearly. Uh, would literally go to war with him. Uh, me and him have went through the trenches together. I will literally fight for him just as, just like I would fight for coach Wani and, of course, you know, Coach Sig. Uh, but I'll, I would definitely throw an extra haymaker for for, for Signetti. Uh, he, it was just uh, just one of those connections, you know, where his coaching style fit my learning style. And, you know, I I didn't really have a whole lot of time to, to learn. You know, I had I had a an off a spring ball or a winter ball spring ball a summer and then training camp. And it was like, Hey, you, this is your last go around. Are you going to buy into the system here? Are you going to buy into this guy and, and, you know, lay it all out there and screw it, you know, buy into it. What else are you going to do? You can't transfer, you know, and what it's not like today where you can go D one to D one and play the exact same year or, or even start, and make more money. Yeah. It's not like, it wasn't like that. Uh, not saying that, of course, you know, there were thoughts of, you know, oh, should I go there? I'm like, no, I don't, I'm, I don't quit, especially my hometown. You know, that's one thing, you know, I'm not a quitter, but I would never quit on you know my hometown. You know, that's uh, one of the reasons why I want to stay here. And uh, just through the grind of just consistently meeting, learning, Signetti as a as a person and that was one one of the things that we never did in any of my mini rooms uh, you know in middle school high school college or any of the professional leagues or teams I was with we did something with coach Sig we spent the first couple minutes of just being going around the room saying hey you know what's going on with you non-football how you doing how's family you know, guys weren't from here. How you doing? Mom and dad okay? How's family back home? Like things like that. That was just like, wow. All right. But he didn't do it one day. It was like the first thing we did multiple times a week. I was like, wow, dude really cares. Or at least he's acting like it. And he always acts like it. So if you're consistently doing that, then, hey, dude really cares. He wants the best for us. All right. I can buy into him. You know what I mean? And that was one thing that I learned. His character was real. Uh, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. Um, and he's going to give it to you straight. And he, he's going to be real. Uh, but we, we just clicked. And um, I, I'll never forget. It was UConn. Uh, I played a horrible first half. I threw a couple picks, I think. Uh, one to the house. <laughs> it, was, it was such a horrible throw. <laughs> uh, 
went to the house and I damn near had those thoughts in the back of my head of the year previous of getting pulled, you know, and, but new coach, I'd never gone through this situation before at halftime. So I go in halftime. I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting my ass chewed out. You know, Tino's going to be playing the second half and I'm going to have to go through all this stuff again. And sure as shit came down, addressed the, the whole offense real quick. And then he was like, all right, quarterback's over here. And he just looked at me. He was like, you ready to play some football? You're good. And I'm just like, thinking to myself, damn, you're, you're not going to cuss me out. Like you're not going to yell at me. You're not going to, he's like, dude, you're good. And that was it. It was like a couple other things and some game plan adjustments, you know, standard stuff. But I'm thinking like, all right, still got my job. All right, cool. You know, like literally like as, as a player, you know, you start thinking those things whenever you're not playing well. And man, it, it just gave me the confidence in the second half and uh, ended up throwing two touchdowns in the second half. And we ended up uh, going down on a game-winning drive and kicked a game-winning field goal. Uh, it, it was just, you know, one of those games where it was a major emotion, emotional roller coaster ride. I was spent. I was damn near like crying at the end of the game. I was just like, still got my job and we won. I played like shit, you know, you know, all that stuff. Thinking of what I'm what the hell we're going to have to face, you know, in the media after the game and all that stuff, all the stuff that we, we had to deal with. And, um, and Sig just believed in me. He, he, he knew, he knew we can get it done. He just had to find a way to get it out of me a little bit, you know, correct a couple little adjustments and some fun, fundamental things and some learning style of just like understanding what we want to do out of these plays. And man, he, he was just outstanding with being able to, uh, find different ways to articulate and get his point across. It was, just, it was really, really cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. Um, I know a lot of the players told us last year, like when they were four and four, Signetti said to them, he's like, yo, guys, we have four games left. Let's just go win them all. And that was like, for a lot of the guys, it was just, yeah, let's just go win them all. And that's what they did. And they finished the season, as we know, nine and four Sun Bowl champs. So, um Really hoping that he can kind of have some of that same magic with Phil this year, Phil Dracovic, his Phil's final year of college, you know, crank it up for him for his final season. They they have a relationship going back to Boston College. Yeah, I I definitely think uh that's I mean, obviously gonna play major, major, you know, benefit to to Panther Nation here. Uh with with that connection. It was a it was a no brainer choice in in my opinion. Uh, for when Phil entered the portal to to get him here, match him up with Signetti again, and for him to be home, I mean, get some comfort around your guy. You know what I mean? Um, so so really really excited for him. Uh, really really hope he takes full advantage of this opportunity because uh, they don't happen a whole lot. And but in today's football, opportunities do happen a little more often. But um, that's today's world of football. So I'm 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 stoked, happy that they're both here. Uh, I'm hope I'm super happy that individually they're both here, but together even better. Um, and I really do think, um, you know, if Phil can really get that one full healthy season under his belt, which I don't think he's he well I know he hasn't played with an offensive line like this, uh, and 
matching Signetti's ability to adjust, but also his own schematic type of schemes that are just outstanding versus fronts and different defensive terminologies and all those things. Um, it's a winning recipe that it just needed some time. And I think the time is now. Uh, I, I really do. And I think, I believe if Phil can stay healthy, we're looking at that nine win easy, not easy, easy saying it now and, you know, right. <laughs> before August. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for that. I know Phil is excited as well. And uh, I know Signetti's definitely excited too. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we're hoping that they can bring up, bring back some of that magic. Another Whippeal quarterback with Frank Signetti uh, in his last year at Pitt. I think uh, we we can maybe see some flashbacks back to t- 2009. But Bill, we kept you way over the time we told you we were going to keep you. We know we know <laughs> we have been, can't say how much this means. You know, like I said, I saw you watch play in high school, saw you play at Pitt, and uh, so this was really cool to be able to do this. No, man, um, it's pleasure is all mine. You guys are awesome. Um, anything I could do to just show love, support, uh, hit me up. You know, anything I do for, for you guys, uh, the Loyal Sons, and, of course, Panther Nation. I mean, I'll be at every home game, that's for sure. You can you can stop by the Loyal Sons tailgate and crush a couple irons with us. How about that? That's Deal. what you can do for Panther Nation. Deal. Done. Hold me to it. Hey, it's right around the corner. There you go. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Bill. And as always, hail to pit. Thanks, guys. Hail to pit. Thanks, Bill. Uh, hero of my childhood. One of the first pit players I remember watching. I watched him in high school. So that was that was a really cool thing to do. So appreciate it, Bill. Hail to pit. Um, and now for final thoughts. But these final thoughts are brought to you by Guerrera Law. Quick, David, what was the best and worst thing that happened to you this week? Uh, best, the uh, Pittsburgh Celtics Gaelic Football Club won the Midwest Championship again today. Uh, the worst thing that happened is work has been so busy, I can't spend my standard issue two hours every morning going through ESPN, The Athletic, and Panther Lair. That's brutal, David. I mean, life's hot, full of highs and lows. Life of a Panther fan, full of highs and lows. One day, you know, you're winning an ACC championship. Next day, Lincoln Riley taking your players. Uh, Regular everyday life, too. Maybe you're cruising down Bigelow Boulevard and getting into an accident. Maybe your insurance company isn't treating you fairly. Or maybe other firms won't take your case seriously. If you find yourself in a situation where you need help, call Guido at Guerrero Law. He'll help turn your losses into an ACC championship win. Reach out to Guido at 412-229-7757. You can also go to GuerreraLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com. Guido is licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio. He's located right here in Pittsburgh. So, time for final thoughts. It's been a week. I know we have a lot of thoughts. Let's get out of here, but uh, Squid, why don't you kick us off? You guys see any good movies lately? There's a lot of good movies out in the theaters now. I went to the Barbie movie. I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just waiting until the theaters empty out a little bit, but I'll I'll be seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer for sure. You know what you should see instead? The Meg 2, The Trench. I wasn't a big fan of the original, The Meg. 
I thought it was poorly done, but the Meg two really, really, they did an outstanding job. One of the better shark movies I've ever seen. Is it shark week or was it shark week? No, it was a week. For those of you listening, squid has like a running list of the top 25. What shark movies? Yeah. Just any shark movie. And most of them are like sci-fi. Like, what what are we like sharknado what, what's that number one right now the original sharknado is at number one wow the I following praise. five sharknados are also scattered within the top 25 the original meg is at number 21 so it's it's pretty down Jeez. there yeah but the meg 2 rounds out the top five fifth wow. best shark movie i've seen in my life how do you rank and- these shark movies that are also sci-fi like is them being bad a good thing sometimes in it's your ranking? pure entertainment. Okay. So it can be so bad it's good. It can be like actually good. Like Jaws is at number 10. There's no way Sharknado is actually good. You'd be surprised. Have you watched it? <laughs> I actually have. I have and I know it's not good. The first two are pretty good. After that, they mess with time travel and all kinds of other things. And it loses some people. What? Time travel. Mm-hmm. Sharknado is now on time travel. They have to go back in time to stop the first Sharknado from happening to prevent all the subsequent. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. Wow. Wait, so just for reference, where is Jaws? You know, widely considered one of the greatest movies yeah. ever created, regardless of genre, on your shark movie list. So Jaws 3 is at number 3. The original Jaws is at number 10. Just right behind Jersey Shore Shark Attack. What? Hey, Squid has his list. You know, we have ours. You don't mess with it. Okay, so the Meg too. So you're giving your stamp of approval. It's worth going to see. Yeah, just wait through the first half. It's a little slow, but they bring it home in the second half. It's like everything you want from a shark movie. Just a lot of blood and detached limbs. Well, it's a Meg, so it just kind of swallows you whole. Ah, uh, that's yeah. that's less compelling to me. Well, at least with Jaws, yeah. At least with Jaws, you had like a like a loose foot floating in the tide. True, like Jaws, you have a little harpoon gun, but in the Meg too, you have explosive darts that Jason Statham throws at. Megalodons while riding on a jet ski. Interesting. I yeah, be sold. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't doubt John Wooden's opinion on a basketball team. I'm not gonna doubt Squid's opinion on a shark movie. So, I probably won't go see it because I haven't seen any of the other ones either. But good to know. Yeah, for all yeah. you movie buffs out there, um, mine is gonna be uh, my final thought for the week. So Pitt actually lost a pretty significant member of their football staff this week. Uh, Carlo Zofko, many of you, if you follow Pitt in any capacity, you know who Carlo is. Handled a lot of the player personnel stuff, recruiting. Did a great job of really just selling Pitt to recruits. Um, started as Whippy Insider, got the job at Pitt, and has done an amazing job there. Uh, he's heading out, moving on to outside of the game of football. Um, you know, we know football coaching, personnel, staff, all of it. It's a grind. Uh, mm-hmm. So just shout out to Carlo, man, for all he's done for the Pitt program. He's a local guy, uh, loves Pitt, 
did a lot for the program and really just it, it, it it's a blow for Pitt to lose him um i'm sure he's put them in a great position to find his predecessor or that, that's the person that goes before right find find the person to fill his shoes uh, successor yes successor there we go that's why that's why we keep you around um but yeah shout out to carlo man as he moves on out of the game of football yeah we'll miss the gifts the emojis and one of these days we'll have to do a sit down with somebody maybe us to just tell all the the stories about recruiting all the the whip old guys he helped come to pit become the hometown hero because that was that was what he did he was the the specialist in the whip old. yeah uh carlo our dms are open if you need to unburden yourself of like any cool program secrets you've been keeping all these years oh yeah would be pretty cool i'm just my my biggest con- well not my biggest concern because losing carlo is tough he's been great at his job but now I think he was behind like all of the the pat signal emojis. So now we're gonna have to learn how to decode another guy. Like we thought that we had Carlo figured out, and now they're throwing a change up on us. Hopefully, he just passes down the the key book. Yeah, the handbook, and we can the go Rosetta off of that. Stone. Yeah, right. Cool. I'll uh, I'll close this out. Um, big one. Darrell Revis, Pitt man, Aliquippa man, Hall of Famer. He got inducted this past weekend. He is the tenth Pittsburgh Panther to be enshrined in Canton. Is that is that a lot? Do a lot of other schools oh, have that many? Oh, uh, it, it, you know, now you mention it, it kind of feels like a lot. It's the fourth most. And if you oh wow, That's... you're a math major, you can crunch some numbers and know that it's uh, more than Penn State and West Virginia combined. Pretty crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Fourth, mm-hmm. fourth out of how many? How many Division One programs are there? Like 133, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It seems pretty good to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we aren't good at numbers, but that and having more than. Penn State and West Virginia combined. That feels like a lot, but you know, they'll have the opportunity to catch up with us, right? Like, yeah, we don't even have any other guys like on the brink of getting inducted. Oh, wait. Mm, When's Larry Fitzgerald do? Because he's a first ballot guy. I think like three years, two or three. Well, that'll be number 11. Uh, Whenever Aaron Donald decides to hang up the cleats, count five years from there. And LaShawn McCoy. I think he might be borderline for some guys. I don't know if he'll get on the first one, but Shady McCoy is a Hall of Famer in my book. Look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. Look at the tape. Tape don't lie. Shady McCoy should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, another cool part of that was hearing Chris Berman during his announcement speech shout out Aliquippa. He said something must be in the water in Aliquippa because they now officially have the most Hall of Famers from any high school in the country. Which uh, is- yeah, there is something in the water in Aliquippa, and it's the runoff from steel mills. And also does it, excellence. Does it make you good at football? Because that might Apparently. explain it. Yeah. yeah. Apparently it does, because somehow they just keep that train rolling. So Aliquippa is incredible. It's actually every time something like this happens, every time they put another guy into the NFL, 
it actually like every time I just get reminded of how sweet Aliquippa football is and like how different it is and how on a completely different level they have been for so long. Um, truly is like that is Aliquippa is football. That it is. And apparently so is the University of Pittsburgh. 10 potentially going on 13 Hall of Famers and then 14 in 20 years when Kenny retires. Yep. And probably a few more scattered throughout. Um, yeah. Incredible thing. Congratulations to Pittman Darrell Ravis on his enshrinement to Canton. Well, boys, this was a fun episode. People have made the board. We'll be adding to the board. We've got to honor a former Pittman to make the Hall of Fame. And it's still camp. The ACC still exists. Florida State's still in it. So I guess we'll just touch base back here next week and hopefully college football as we know it still exists. Please. Please. But as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.